My name is Seth Clifford, and my favorite album is Grace by Jeff Buckley. So I don't, I don't know this album, um, which is shameful. <laughs> you know, I know, I know, Hallelujah. Yeah, that's that seems to be probably the track that everybody knows from it. Um, but I don't really know much more of it, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing collection of music. I don't, um, you know, I'm not like a Jeff Buckley historian. Certainly, I've done i guess the requisite amount of reading and research on somebody that you like but i i guess because of the point in my life in which i discovered it and then as i got older i didn't really have the time to dive into it the way i did with music i guess in high school when you had so much time to devote to reading and absorbing every possible bit of minutia about an artist and an album but yeah it's it's a unique collection I think it stands as an interesting album in and of itself just because it's his only official studio album. And there are so many other kind of satellite recordings of live shows and unreleased tracks and things like that. But this is kind of the, the, the official record of what he started as and kind of where he could have gone. What about this album speaks to you, though? You know, a lot of that is like, sounds like maybe why many people would, or basically why Rolling Stone would say it's one of the best albums of all time, you know, th- those types of descriptions. Right. But what about it specifically grabbed you? I think the thing that grabbed me the most was the confluence of when I came across it how I came across it, and then the the events that I guess followed in my life and in the world. So it probably just would make sense if I just told a story about it. So I've been a rabid music fan my entire life of many, many different genres from, you know, everything from classical to Nine Inch Nails and everything in between. I am a musician. I've been playing music since I guess I was in fourth grade when I started taking violin lessons, and I played in orchestras, and I played bass. I taught myself how to play guitar. I taught myself how to play drums. I can't seem to get piano. It just, my brain doesn't work that way. But I've I've spent so much of my life making and thinking about music that when I hear something that I guess, reaches me on a technical or an emotional level, it makes an impact and it makes kind of an indelible mark um, in how I then go on thinking about music. And so this particular album is one of those albums that changed the way I thought about music. In, I guess it was 1999 or 2000, uh, I was out of college. I was just kind of, you know, not really doing much of anything yet. I think I was teaching at the time. I think I had started doing that. But my girlfriend at the time was getting rid of this album. Uh, She was getting rid of the CD for whatever reason she had it. And I had heard 
his name before. I'd heard of Jeff Buckley, but I wasn't into him in college, and I didn't know anybody that was really into him in college. I remember the day he died because a friend of mine came over to our apartment and mentioned it and was kind of like, yeah, it's a bummer. You know, he was, cool. he was a cool guy. And I didn't really process it at the time. I was kind of like, yeah, it's, that's terrible. And so she just was getting rid of these CDs, and she was like, you can have this if you want. And I was like, well, what is it? And she basically said, um, it's this album. You know, it had a single off of it or whatever. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll listen to it. And I remember putting it in my car and not really thinking about it much after that. And so I think the next day on my way to work, I put it in and just started going through it and was just taken at the range of different sounds. And I guess it wasn't what I expected. I expected it to be a a different album based on the cover or the design or something like that, or maybe based on the rest of her collection. I just kind of figured it was going to be something else. And I think I was surprised by the way that it sounded. And I remember each successive track as I went through the album just was like a different, a different kind of interest. Like, oh, okay, so it's going that way. And then, you know, it would get soft again and then it would get hard. And then I was just like, wow, this is an interesting bunch of songs. And I remember the one that really forced me to hook into it and really, really get into this album was um, So Real. I think it's track five on the album. But it it is a strange track because it's it's almost discordant in the way that it sounds when you first hear it. And it kind of stumbles along and it has these different parts and it gets real soft and it gets real loud. But I remember hearing it and kind of stopping there and listening to that over and over and over again. And it was just it was just such an interesting structure for a song. And once I kind of did that a few times, I listened to the rest of the album and then I just kind of looped it back around and kept listening to it and like studying the tracks. And the more I got into it, the more I realized how unique these songs were individually and as a collection. And it just, you know, it was enchanting in a way that not many things that I came across really were at the time and and quite honestly since. I listened to this album uh, in advance to, to us doing this. And I think of everything that I've done so far on the series, this is, I wouldn't say weirdest album, I don't think that's the right the right word. But you know how you just mentioned like it's a collection of stuff that relates to each other but kind of doesn't relate to each other. Yes. Like that that is that is one of the interesting things because a, a, quite a, a few of the the albums that have been picked so far are concept albums. Yeah. Um so they are designed to work together. Right. So every song is designed to work together in that way. This doesn't have that, which makes it more of a traditional album, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but it's the 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 ways the places in which it takes different turns are wildly different. Yeah, like I I can't remember the names of the songs. I don't know them them well enough. But like, if you take Hallelujah, there isn't another song on this album like that. Right, right, and and that's very interesting to me. Is this like a style of music that you enjoy, or does Grace kind of sit on its own for you? I th- you know, it's funny. I think that there is definitely an element to these tracks that is a style that I like because 
I, I listen to so many different kinds of things that somewhere in that mix is this, that it, you know, it doesn't sound like other things, but it's recognizable and it's approachable, but it's still a little bit, you know, there's almost like a learning curve to it that when you listen to it, you, you don't really know how to approach it at first, but you know that it's worth approaching. And I think that the more I listened to it and the more I kind of saw patterns and saw just the different things that he was doing from track to track, you know, vocally and, you know, production wise started to make me think about music in general differently. And so there is, I don't know if I would say that it's a like or dislike other things that I enjoy, but it is definitely. I guess in in the in the intervening years has become emblematic of things that I like. But among my friends, it is known that I am a very big Jeff Buckley fan, and I've had many, you know, long conversations with my friends about him and his music. And it just it became an identifier without me really trying to make it so. But yeah, I guess it is kind of a thing that I very much like now. How much uh, Jeff Buckley stuff do you listen to or do you enjoy? You know, you say you're a big fan, but does that limit itself to this recording? No. When I when I got into this album, I started to seek out whatever else I could find. And at the time that I got into this, there wasn't a whole lot. I think there might have been an album of... B-sides. I'm trying to think when the other stuff was released, but I guess in the there was this, and then in the year or two following, there was like a two disc set that came out. I believe it's called "My Sweetheart the Drunk," which is such a fantastic name. It's it's un uh... sketches for my sweetheart the drunk. Yes, that's what it is. Sketches from, from 1998. My I'm such a big fan. I can't remember anything. I blame that on my age and. Small children. I tell you what, like, uh, when I moved away from CDs um, and started listening to music digitally, that was when I stopped knowing the names of songs. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because the metadata is right there in front of you. Yeah. But as soon as music became something that was in my pocket and in my ears all the time, I stopped paying attention to, to the backs of the CDs or whatever. Yeah, I think that same thing can be said for me. I used to be a student of liner notes, and I used to be able to tell you, oh, this guy produced this track, and this track was recorded at this studio and on this day. And I used to, I used to know that stuff, but I don't anymore, and I have trouble remembering song names and track orders and stuff like that. And I think you're right. I think it's because the move to digital changed how I access music, how I accept music into my brain and the there are other aspects of it that I think I have focused on more um you know sonically as opposed to analytically for the like you said the metadata parts of it that have been more pleasing to me as I've gotten older so yeah I I'm a super fan who doesn't know the names of the albums I guess <laughs> but I got yeah within within a year or two that you know there was a my Sweetheart the Drunk was the album that was going to be released. And then Sketches, I remember this now, Sketches for My Sweetheart the Drunk was the collection of stuff since it didn't actually make it into release. So it's like 
some stuff that was sort of studio tracks and somewhat produced but not released, and then like four track recordings and things like that. And then there was also uh, a live album called Mystery White Boy that came out with a DVD, a concert DVD, which was really good. There were some other live uh, recordings of him from earlier in his career at different cafes. There was a collection of EPs. I think it's just called the Grace EPs that I picked up. And I just began collecting these things because some of it I had, some of it I didn't have. Some of it was alternate versions of songs. Some of it was completely new music that had never really kind of seen the light of day. And it was just became this kind of compendium of all of all of the work of his that I could find. And once I had, you know, the bulk of it, and I'm sure in the past couple of years, there's been stuff that's come out that I just kind of didn't know about. But once I had this collection, I would look at it and listen to it and think about it and think about the different versions of the songs. And I always keep returning to Grace, not because it is the studio album or because it is the most produced or the best produced or sounds the best or whatever. I think it's just that that was the one that got its hooks into me. That was the one that started me on this. And that collection of songs means the most in that order, you know, as a, as a standalone work. All of the other stuff that I have, I enjoy, and I listen to it from time to time. And there are certain live versions of some of the songs on Grace that are way, way better, in my opinion. But it is that collection you know that that means the most you know in its entirety i just want to take a break here to thank our friends over at field notes for sponsoring this week's episode of inquisitive i'm so happy and so excited that they're sponsoring us this week i love field notes they are my notebook of choice they've been my notebook of choice for a long time it's because they are so versatile I have them with me everywhere because that's just something that you can do. You can put them in your pocket. You can put them in your bag, in the car, by your computer, anywhere. They're super small, very durable. They wear so beautifully. And sometimes a little wear and tear makes them shine even more. They are great for all kinds of uses. Grocery lists, planning world domination, anything you need to do, you can use Field Notes for. I've been a huge fan for years. I'm a very happy subscriber. I'm a color subscriber to Field Notes. That means I get a new edition sent to me directly. And these new editions, every quarter, they come up with something new. They're limited edition notebooks. They're always incredibly inventive, interesting, and fantastically designed. This edition for summer is called the Workshop Companion Edition. It features a set of six books and a custom sleeve of a set of lovely stickers. Each book is themed to a common project to be done around the house, like electrical work, plumbing, painting, gardening, automotive, and woodworking, and they each feature a motif that goes along with these themes. If you're a Field Notes Color subscriber, you'll also get a workshop reminder magnet as well. This is the first major book to be printed on French paper company's fantastic new line of papers called Craft Tone. Field Notes take an incredible amount of care over the paper and the products that they choose. You can just trust that this is amazing stuff. You can find out more for yourself about the Workshop Edition over at fieldnotesbrand.com slash workshop. Uh, you can buy the packs individually if you if you want. They're going to sell out super fast. But if you buy a year-long color subscription, starting with the Workshop Companion, and use the code RELAY, R-E-L-A-Y, you'll get three carpenter pencils and a three-pack of pitch black memo books totally free. Field Notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Do you still listen to this frequently today? And when you do, does it take you back to a specific time? Does it bring up any specific memories? Or are you 
do you kind of just enjoy it as it is? I do a little of both. I definitely am taken back a lot when I do hear certain parts of it. And, you know, like that one song that I mentioned earlier, So Real, takes me right back to when I discovered the album and the people I was around and the things that I was doing at that time. Other tracks from the album take me back to other parts of my life. And I don't think I listen to it as often now as I once did, just because I think I don't listen to music in the same way that I did 15 years ago. But I, you know, I listened to it last week or the week before, you know, when we had started talking about it, um, you know, when I had messaged you. And I was like, yeah, let me put it in. Let me, you know, let me take a take another listen. And I I swear I still discover little bits. I must have turned it up a little louder in my car uh, or, you know, had headphones on or something. But I hear new things in it even now, years later. And there are some albums that really lend themselves to repeated listenings where you kind of grow with it and the album changes based on who you are when you hear it. And there are other ones that are immutable, that are just kind of stone carvings that don't really change, but they evoke certain feelings in you. But this one is almost organic to me in, in my mind because, you know, it does that thing where it takes me back to memories, but obviously my life is vastly different now than it was then. So I'm kind of also writing new memories as I'm listening to it and having the feelings I have now, you know, with my family and stuff like that. And there's also the technical level where as a musician, I listen to it and I notice stuff like, oh, that, you know, that part is that that vocal overdub is really good there. I never really noticed that before. Oh, I, you know, I, I really like the drum sound on this track. I never listen to the drums. I always listen to the guitar parts. And it's it's one of those things where it's it's always a learning experience every time I hear it because I force myself to attend to it in a way that I don't think that I do for a lot of other albums. What are your favorite tracks on the album and why why do you love those ones so specifically? I think my favorite, if I had to pick one as the favorite, I think it's probably Lover, You Should Have Come Over. Too young to hold on It's a rather long song. It might be the longest one on the album. Um, maybe Hallelujah's a little longer. But I don't know why, but that song really cuts to the core of both like a love and a sadness. And I, for better or worse, I have always enjoyed, I guess, melancholy art and music and things of that nature. And so... <laughs> Again, for better or worse, the most prolific parts of my life in terms of creating art have been 
when I have struggled. And I think that is a common theme for people who make things. When you find yourself cruising along and everything is going great, it can be hard to create because there are parts of your brain or parts of your feelings that don't trigger the way that they're used to. And you kind of have to teach yourself how to continue creating in different frames of mind. And so Lover, You Should Have Come Over is one of these songs that both speaks to that kind of wonderful melancholy. Structurally, the song is amazing and the chord progressions are just fantastic. The lyrics are heartbreaking and it does everything from the softest the softest swells and kind of whispers to you know i wouldn't call it like thundering but it really does build as the song goes on and when it finally finishes it it feels like a workout you you really do feel like you went through something and the more you listen to it the more you kind of focus on different parts of it and I don't know, there's something about that track that really, really, really gets me. And I remember liking it so much at the time that I had to learn it. So I just started, you know, figuring it out, figuring the chords out. And a lot of his chord voicings and stuff like that are very strange when you start looking at them. Like if you look at, you know, like if you look up the chords online, they're not like all straight up open chords. Like they're really kind of strange voicings, some of them, which I think is why the album sounds so interesting. And as I read more about him, you know, I read that he was a session musician for a long time. And, you know, if you're a session guy or gal, it's, you're good. Like when people want you to play on their albums, that's when you know you are a really, really good working musician like you've got chops at that point and so as i started to learn more about the music and learn about the chords it really impressed me how not basic everything was and so from that song through some of the other songs i started to branch out and it kind of made me learn i guess different and better ways to play an instrument that i've been playing for you know 10 plus years um so Lover is definitely my favorite. I think the last track on the album, Dream Brother, is also excellent, but that is one that is great on the disc, but sounds better live just because of the kind of track that it is. Uh, you know, it does the loud and quiet thing in a, in a different way. And what, what I realized as time passed was some of the other songs, like the really, really soft kind of almost hymn-like songs, uh, like Lilac Wine. When I think more than I want to think, I do things I never should do. I drink much more than I ought to drink. And... Corpus Christi Carol. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The falcon hath born. 
they they grew on me in a very different way because they are not like the other tracks at all and again have a sadness to them but also a level of i don't know i guess maybe clarity against the other tracks because they diverge from the mood so much it's it's i i feel like i'm rambling but there's as we said earlier there there are so many differences between each track that it's hard to elucidate why one is better than another or why i prefer one there are some that just grab me and just don't let go and then there are other ones that i like on a completely different level if that makes any sense no it does when when i hear you talk about this album like you seem to be talking from a place of affection for it like i can hear that in your voice right that that when you're talking about this stuff i can tell that it means something to you and you mentioned about how like you i mean you are a musician uh and it seems like this would is it safe to say that maybe this album has had the greatest effect on you musically it's it's definitely possible i would say it's definitely possible because i could probably point to a handful of other albums that have forced me to either learn something or change the way i think about something that i'm doing and I've I've been exposed to all kinds of music because my parents listened to a lot of different things as we were growing up. And so I have a real appreciation for the, you know this the kinds of foundational structures that bands like the Beatles and the Beach Boys laid down that people built on over the course of time. And then there's also stuff that came after that that sounds completely different, but you can detect elements of, I guess it's almost like kind of a, not a callback and not an homage sort of, but you know that the people who are making this music, even though it doesn't sound like the stuff that it's referencing, were influenced by it. And so this album, this album really did change me profoundly when I started to <laughs> dedicate an almost academic level of scrutiny to it. I had debated getting a Telecaster for years and years and years. I always played a Strat prior to that. And listening to this more and hearing the range of sounds that this album covers, I was like, I should get a Telecaster. And so I did. And, you know, and like I said earlier, learning the different chord voicings and realizing, oh, wow, like there's, you know, the thing about learning new chords <laughs> very often is that it's kind of like rummaging through a trunk of stuff that you have where you know all the stuff in the trunk, but then if you dig a little deeper, you're like, holy cow, I didn't know this was in here. And it's... Like, this is a chord that I knew, and I knew three other ways to play it, but here's a fourth way that sounds amazing, and I didn't even realize you could do this. And so there's a, there's a familiarity to the things that it taught me, but also that discovery and that way of doing things differently that when you start stringing them together became vastly different than, you know, the, the things I was doing prior. And the other really 
profound thing that it allowed me to do or forced me to do or encouraged me to do was to change the way that I even recorded vocals and thought about my singing. You know, his range on the album covers so much ground from, you know, really kind of growly, hard stuff to angelic, lilting, whispery vocals. And hearing it all together, it can feel kind of disparate. But I think one of the things I took away from it was you don't have to kind of do a similar collection of things. Like you can be all over the map and it can hang together. And so what I started to do was experiment with, you know, harmonies and vocal styles that I probably would not have otherwise explored. And so, you know, some of the stuff that he does that sounds so great is sung in a falsetto. And I've always been able to kind of do that stuff, but I never, I guess I never gave it enough runway to see if it would really work. And after listening and studying, you know, this album, I was like, well, let me try. Let me, let me see what happens. And from that point on, that was a divergent path that I took when it came to thinking about my own music and thinking about what I was capable of, what was realistic and what was achievable. And it just, you know, as someone who makes things, you know, you have a bag of tricks that you can go back to. There's certain chords that you always kind of just noodle around and play. And you can sometimes feel like you're not getting as much done or you're not exploring as much as you really want to. But then when you start to edge out of that area, it's a little it's a little weird and it can be a little uncomfortable, but when you find a little bit of success with it, it just snowballs and you start completely going in other directions. And the time, the couple of years after I discovered this were super productive for me. Like I just would come home from work and spend tons of time just you know, in Pro Tools, doing all kinds of stuff and just playing with things and discovering things and trying things that I would not have tried before. So, yeah, I would say that if not this album, this is one of very few that profoundly changed the way I think about music. Let me just take a quick break here to thank our friends over at Cards Against Humanity for sponsoring this week's episode of Inquisitive. As you know, they find nothing more entertaining than playing a quick burst of a 90s pop song and stopping it abruptly like this. Thanks so much to Cards Against Humanity for sponsoring Inquisitive. So obviously we've been speaking a bunch about, you know, how you are, a, you, you play music and the how the way this music, the music in this album feels to you. But do you actually consider yourself a more of a music person or are you a lyrics person in disguise? I think I am definitely both. I think that's because I started playing instruments at a really early age. So I appreciate the music itself. And I've always been a reader and a writer and a fan of words. And so those 
I, I don't think I could ever identify myself as a music fan versus a lyric fan. In my mind, the two are, in, in the best ways, inextricable. And, you know, this, the singer-songwriters that I like the most are people who do creative things musically. Maybe not complex things, but creative things. And, it, you know, it's not even that they have amazing lyrics but the lyrics that they employ against those songs just matter so much or they just fit so well or they're just good you know they're just unquantifiably good and you hear it and you just go yeah that's a good song but it's the two are the two are inseparable in my mind like I love instrumental music. I love music without lyrics and I love words. I love reading and writing. And the the you now the convergence of the two in their best form. I mean that's that's it for me. Like it doesn't get any better than a good song. What formats do you now own Grace in? I have CDs of all of the stuff that I bought because it was prior to me getting an iPod, I believe. Yeah, I would think. And then I have digital formats as well. I ripped all my CDs in when that was a thing that we did. I'm pretty sure I've bought something here or there in a digital format, but I primarily listen to it digitally now just because that's how I listen to everything. And I've seen you know, vinyl pressings and stuff where I'm like, oh, that'd be a nice thing to have, but my vinyl collection is kind of frozen in time where I collected it in college for a while and enjoyed looking at the artwork and the liner notes and things like that. But I didn't keep up with it in the way that some of my friends did where I still have friends now who will order, you know, vinyl, vinyl copies of things just to have like, oh, I'm just going to put this on my shelf. Yeah, I already, I already have the MP3s. I'm just going to, just going to have this. And I think that's partly because as I've gotten older, I have realized how little space I truly have in my life for physical objects. <laughs> and I've made an effort to kind of streamline that because to me, the content at this point in my life, the content is far, far more important than the format. There are still things that I will buy because I'm a sucker for a good package, but the ability to get to something and experience something when I want it, as opposed to in a specific way, I think weighs more heavily with me. So everything is digital. My books are digital. My music is digital. You know, videos, all that stuff has has made that that jump because the convenience outweighs the the study of the format. I guess. When you look at this album, um, and you know you're here and telling the world about it, right? You're you're kind of. Put in, sticking a, a a flag, you know, in the ground and saying this is the one that I pick. Are you proud of it? Yeah, I I definitely am. I you know when you started this series, I just as a as an exercise was like, what if I had to pick? What what would it be? What would the one be? I kind of made a little list and I whittled it down and. Through all of the iterations of that list, there's this just kept bubbling up. And there were a couple that were really close, but not for the same reasons. 
you know, just things that I just enjoy listening to immensely. They just give me great, great pleasure. But when I thought about it, and I, I kind of thought about, well, how would I justify what the best one is, what my favorite one is? This was the one that I could, I could put in that slot because I could talk about it. Like there were the, you know, the other ones were great for reason A or reason B, but this one has a story and, you know, multiple stories. It has so much variety. It has the, the requisite melancholy that I require. And just sad enough. Yeah, just just sad enough. It's sad without being crushing. And you know, it's it's not real long either. Like there's something about the length of the album and the progression of the album where it's just the right length. The songs kind of move in just the right way. It goes up and down and there's enough to think about and enough to say. And there's you know, as I kind of said earlier, there's not a ton of albums that I go back and listen to and consistently discover new things. I do it with movies all the time. I rewatch movies a lot because that's just the thing I do. And I listen to albums a lot that I like, but I don't always discover things on the the repeated listenings or viewings. And this is one that I just do. So it every time I hear it, it's it's the familiarity, it's the love, but it's also a continuing sense of little discoveries that kind of keeps me coming back to it. Do you try and introduce this album to other people? Not, not so much because I would say, so I also really like whiskey and that is very much an acquired taste where just because I love bourbon and scotch doesn't mean everyone's going to love it. And so this is the kind of album that if somebody came to me and said, you know, I want to get into bourbon, what's where should I start? I could say, oh, well, if you're ready, this is a thing you can try. It's, you know, it's not too expensive. It's kind of mild. It's whatever. I don't try to force <laughs> this in a good way on anybody. Because I feel like you almost have to be ready for it because it's not it's not a typical album and it's not inaccessible, certainly, but it is it is something a little bit different and not different just for the sake of being different or different to be weird. It's just different. And so if somebody said, you know, I keep hearing this guy's name, what where would I start? I would say, well, you start here. And here's why. And it would be a lot of the stuff that we've covered. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like shove it in somebody's hand and be like, you got, you want new music? You got to listen to this. But it would definitely come up in, in a different way because it's just one of those things that, you know, when you told me like, I don't think I've ever listened to this. I was, I mean, it's, it's reasonable that you've never heard it before because there's a, a million billion albums in the world. But I was like, oh man, you really, you really need to listen to this because knowing you, knowing that you're somebody who appreciates music on a certain level and who doesn't just, you know, kind of consume music. When I, when I come across somebody who's like that, who thinks about music in a similar way, it's a very easy recommendation to make. 
I feel like I have to listen to it more um, because I didn't enjoy it. But, yeah. But maybe I'm not supposed to enjoy it, right? <laughs> maybe it's not an album for enjoying in the average sense of enjoying. You have to... In, I think now hearing you speak about it and the importance of it, I actually feel like I'm in a better position now to try and take the album in because previously I was listening to it for work, right? I yeah. was listening to this album in preparation for doing this, so I probably wasn't in the right frame of mind because as well, like... All of the other albums are either iconic or fun or, like, there's a thing about them that is, like, universally loved, right, um, that we've done so far. And this is, I think, different to that, but, you know, loved in a very different way, uh, I think, than some of the other albums that, that have been chosen. And, you know, if, if, if other people love this album the same way that you do, it's loved for its, like, achievement as a body of work, and for its like just raw musical power, as opposed to being like uh, an album that everybody knows or an album that has songs on it that everybody loves, that kind of thing. Yeah, I I don't think you need to love it the first time you hear it. I don't think I loved it the first time I heard it. I think I was intrigued by it the first time I heard it, and the love came later. Um, and it. You know, when I listen to it now, I th- one of the thoughts that I had in kind of prepping for this was, how does this stand up now if I was a completely new listener? Like, if, if this was the first time I'd heard it, would it sound dated? Would I say, oh, this was obviously produced in the mid-90s, or would it would it sound timeless? And there are, there are certain tracks that just based on the structure, based on the mastering, sound very 90s. But there are other there are other ones that are completely without a place in time that when you hear them, do not speak to any individual decade or style and are just singularly nice in, in and of themselves. And I don't think... I don't think it's wrong that you don't love it the first time you hear it. I think just listening to it once and going, I think I need to listen to that again is probably enough. And even if you never love it, just understanding it and being like, this is an interesting set of things. This is this is a bunch of stuff that shouldn't go together, but it does. And then, you know, the more you learn about him and the more you kind of discover about you know if you keep exploring the other music you kind of keep circling back to this and eventually it it may get you eventually the sun, the sun, the sun.